Welcome to Dr. Suzanne Howard's audio play. Thank you for downloading and I pray you are truly blessed. To get more information on Dr. Suzanne Howard's ministry, feel free to visit www.suzannemhoward.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Well, good evening. Welcome to night eight of Soul Detox 2024, where we are detoxing our emotions by delving into emotional intelligence. We are there. We are there. Your comments are beautiful and so encouraging. Thank you all very much. Good to see you all coming in the room tonight. Um, okay. So I've seen the emails going out from Ebony. I've seen the emails going out from the coaches. So the assessments are out there. People are booking their first call. You're going to get four sessions with your coach, ask your questions, get your help, what they don't have the answers to. They will get it for you. And I believe you're going to see the worth in keeping that relationship going throughout the rest of the year. Um, the journals, um, are, um, back order. For just about a day. I think tomorrow at 8.30, they'll be here. So if anyone needs a journal, they'll be in tomorrow and they'll be shipped tomorrow. Please don't forget to uh, visit the podcast. Go on and visit our podcast. I see you walkers. You're doing a wonderful thing. Very, very encouraging. Very encouraging. Um, and thank you for those who are commenting. I wrote it on a notepad today, but I left it in the kitchen. I want to thank... Um, I know her initials are FHH. I want to thank you for all of your comments on YouTube. Um, Evangelist Gwen, thank you for your comments. Thank you, Maria. I think uh, Rodriguez, I think it's Maria Rodriguez. Thank you for your comments. Thank you, Ashley, for your comments. I believe it was Renee. Thank you for your comments on YouTube, going back and watching it again or just hitting it more than once. It's a help. And remember, those are all seeds that are sown. Thank you guys very, very much. I know there's a few more of you, but I will get to you. Um, I left the, the notes in there. I'm not going to get up to get it. So I'll shout you out tomorrow. The gender identity movement is crushing. It's horrible, but it's exactly like you said. It's a, it's a movement. And we need to start attacking it by prayer so that it doesn't get any momentum. It's, it's tricking because it's catching children at such a young age. And um, I just don't think at such a young age we should be making decisions like that. And uh, you mentioned the youth, and that's what my comment is. Um, I was a youth once. Brother Raphael said I'm still 21, but I was a youth once. And um, I remember my struggle with an identity issue. I was a tomboy. And um, to me, I was just a boy. I hung with all the boys. I didn't have any girlfriends. Um, the boys accepted me. The boys were easier. With the boys, you didn't have to have your hair done. You didn't have to uh, look all cute. They didn't pick on how your nose looked or the color of your skin. Boys were so easy to get along and play with. Um, and I was a tomboy, and that's all I hung out with. And if my mom didn't grab me in and begin to start showing me more of the feminine side, I probably would have went another way too. But, you know, there's another dynamics to that. So it's an important question to ask. And the only reason why I am addressing it is because we're dealing with the soul and the soul doesn't have a gender. And the soul will grow by whatever is feeding it. So that's the only reason why I address a topic like that during 
my session for EI, just to keep everybody in the loop. But it is an important topic, obviously, and it needs to be talked about in homes first, schools, churches, and everywhere else where we have anyone of an audience like that. So thank you, Damien. And um, he thanked me for uh, his faithful love. Thank you, Ashley, for your cash apps. Thank you, Cam, for healing. Thank you, Vanessa, for her EI investment. And thank you, Anna. She's just giving me a love heart. Thank you all very much for your cash app seeds. I appreciate each and every one of you. And I think we're ready to go. I see a few more subscriptions on YouTube. If you can, please go ahead and subscribe on YouTube. I need the subscriptions. Thank you very much. And while I'm pulling up my work for tonight, I'm going to ask everyone who has not done so already to please hit like and share. Please hit like and share on your page or to someone that you truly care about and love. You can even put it in their inbox. Tonight is going to be a great night. We finished going through almost 100 examples of triggers, um, even some words uh, I use more than once to show a, a flip side or another thought to that same triggering emotion. We finished those up for tonight. We will go back into a few of them before our 30 days is over. But the good thing is that we got through them and we're only on night eight. So that's a good thing. Tonight, we're actually going to go ahead and jump and start chapter three. If you have the book, you can keep up with us. Um, I'm just going to read this closure on triggers as we go ahead and jump in chapter three. What we're going to do is stress management. And this chapter really makes me wish that we were together um, at a retreat. But that's just more encouraging all the more to get it done for us. So to wrap up that chapter, I just want to read this to you. These scenarios illustrate it, how emotions can arise from various real life situations and experiences, highlighting the diverse triggers that influence our emotional responses. Understanding these triggers can lead to greater emotional awareness and better management of our feelings. Someone say management because that's what a lot of what we're getting ready to get into. And it's a lot of what is mandated for EI. Stop saying that I don't have control. I didn't have a choice. You do every single time. You may need better management, better management of your feelings. Identifying emotional triggers often involves looking for recurring patterns of emotional responses in specific situations. By recognizing these triggers, you can gain insights into the underlying fears, insecurities, or unresolved issues that influence your emotional reactions. This awareness empowers you to respond more effectively respond more effectively and make conscious choices about how you navigate challenging situations. We all have them and we forever will. So we're going to talk now about self-regulation and stress management. In this section, we delve deep into the transformative power of self-regulation. Who was that crazy man? Was it Fred Sanford that said the devil made me do it? Remember that back in the old days? I'm really showing my age now, right? And um, a lot of people now that I've 
I've trained up or at least discipled in church will saying, um, you know, the Holy Spirit took over and I just nothing I can do about it. Mm -mm. No, God did give us self-regulation because he gave us will and choice. Self-regulation is our power. That's our authority. So in this section, we delve deep into the transformative power of self-regulation, and it's a foundational pillar of emotional intelligence. Self-regulation, often referred to as emotional self-control or emotional regulation, is the art of managing and modulating our emotional responses. It's not about suppressing or denying emotions, but rather about understanding them and choosing our reactions consciously. We do not suppress our emotions. Say that. We do not suppress our emotions. That is not what I'm pushing. If you heard that, then you need to go back and replay. That's why they're here for you. This is not about suppressing our emotions. It's about self-control. This is about emotional regulation. It's an art. And you all are becoming artists in the area of emotional intelligence. It's the art of managing and modulating our emotional responses. It's not about suppressing or denying emotions, but rather about understanding them and choosing our reactions consciously. Defining self-regulation. I'm glad you asked. Let's start by understanding what self-regulation truly means. At its core, self-regulation involves the ability to recognize and manage our emotional reactions effectively. Powerful. Powerful. You do have control. You have more control than you're using. What is it? I think it was Einstein that said we're, we're using 1% or 10% of our brain. Well, Suzanne Einstein is here to let us know that we're using one or 10% of our self-control. And that's a fruit of the spirit, self-control. And yet we hear people say all the time, I didn't have a choice. You did have a choice. You made a choice and you're either not recognizing the fact that you have a choice because you don't want to be responsible for a choice or you are suffering the consequences of a choice. But there's always, always a choice. Take back your self-control. With self-control comes self-regulation. At its core, self-regulation involves the ability to recognize and manage your emotional reactions effectively. It's about being in control of your responses rather than being controlled by our emotions. And if there's anything I can tell you that I'm tired of, being around people who are controlled by their emotions. Oh my God, you have no idea. And, and some people laugh at it. Some people make excuses for it. Some people are enabled by their emotions as if their emotions are some gang living in the same household as them and travels everywhere they go that makes them do all these things that they do not want to do. Got to change your behavior. You have to change your behavior. You know why? Because your behavior is your responsibility. Take back control. 
You're, you're being bullied by your emotions and it's, you're only being bullied because you don't know that it is your responsibility. We are emotional beings. That's the color in our life. It's not to make us look like, can I say it? To make us look like idiots. Some of us, our behaviors make us look like idiots. Our behaviors take our, our high intellectual assessments. It takes our, don't let Ebony see y'all. It takes our um, high degrees. It takes our uh, very highly groomed and coferred beings. And it makes us look like fools. You can walk in the room and all eyes can be on you. And within seconds, you can blow it with your emotions. Emotions. Because no one taught us that we can control them. They told us to suppress them, but they never told us how to control them. And most times people think that when they're suppressing their emotions, that they're not an emotional person. It takes more emotion to suppress than to release them. So you actually are more emotional than the person who's just showing emotion. You think someone who's crying is, she's just so emotional. He's so emotional. Okay. But that's in a very um, adaptive way. A male adaptive way of being emotional is someone who suppresses their crying. You suppress so much anger, you're now a passive aggressive and you don't even know it. Dangerous people. Passive aggressives are dangerous. I was having a conversation today with the Holy Spirit and I just, I wasn't regret because in order to regret for me would mean that I would go back and change things differently if I was in that same role, but I couldn't because I only did what I was able to do at that time. I was only, I only did what sense I had at that time. Now, if I can go back with what I have now back then, that would be a different story. But so many relationships I would have never had. I would have never had so many relationships. I would have knew right from the rip. Mm -mm. I could sit at a table and within minutes, mm -mm. don't even do it. Don't get involved. Don't cast your pearls. Don't do it. But look how long it took me to get here being led of the Holy Spirit. If this was already in my parents or my older sisters, how much more to an advantage we would be. But there's so many things in people that would not be uh, in my life because my mom was very loving and giving of her time and her soul, such a people pleaser as she was taught to be that. And she raised me to be a people pleaser. And it took me years to break people pleasing off of me. And I didn't realize that I don't have to put up with certain things and I don't have to put up with certain behaviors. And you're a very nice person, but you're not a nice person for me. Just so much. No regrets. Just um, being nostalgic, going back over my life. We should all do that. It happens to me a lot in January. Anyone else? Do you start going over your life in January? Make sure you watch it, though, because you don't want to, you know, travel down the wrong way. <clears throat> so remember, self-regulation. It's about being in control. 
particularly in our responses, rather than being controlled by our emotions. Self-regulation allows us to navigate life's challenges with grace and resilience. Example, imagine a scenario where you receive critical feedback at work. Without self-regulation, you might react impulsively, becoming defensive or upset. Now that's emotional. And that's emotional that you do not want to show in the workplace. Defensiveness and being upset is normal human behavior but please hear me on this. I was an HR director for many years of my life. These emotions do not belong in the workplace. They are not paying you to get upset with correction or with criticism. And they're not paying you to be defensive when they are paying people to manage you and supervise you or even train you. So there's a place and a time for emotions. There is a place and a time for emotions. Type it in the chat, write it in your notebook. <clears throat> there is a time and there is a place. I cannot be upset right now. Um, let's just give an example. I cannot be upset right now. Let's just say I had a big feud. Um, maybe I got a call from someone before I got online and I had a big feud with them. And then I get so overwhelmed and encompassed with my emotions that I can't even get online here. Or I get a um, upset with Peyton over homework or something like that. And I get on here and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm late guys, but I had to do this homework with Peyton. Huh? You invited us into your life at eight o'clock every night. And now I'm not giving you an excuse, but I'm bringing you things that has nothing to do with what we're doing here. You know, and I can't wait for us to get to the leadership section of this coaching because oftentimes it is emotions that keeps people from doing their job, doing their job well, showing up for their job. You know, there's some simple things. Um, let's just go back to I'm, I'm a pastor. That's that's pretty much what I know at this point in my life. It's been 17 years, going to be 18 years this year. And I've watched people who I know love the Lord. They love the Lord. I've watched them. I know they love the Lord. And they've held on during some really, really hard testing and triggering times in their life. But they can't even get up and get a mic and welcome people to their church and lift a scripture up before God and read announcements because of their emotions. They have not learned that emotions do not respond, do not belong in that place in their position. You can actually say, I have to deal with that later. And that's including emotions. I can't respond to that right now. When your emotions take over where you can't preach, you can't teach, you can't exhort, you can't show up, you can't leave your house, you can't leave your room, you can't leave your bed. You need a coach. And then listen to your coach because you may need to add a therapeutic aspect to your coaching program. Where y'all at? Everybody's quiet out here now. 117 of you on tonight. <laughs> mm. 
Yeah, you have to learn how to put things aside. I remember when my mentor told me when I was going through some things in my marriage, and I said, I can't do this and I can't do that because of this. And she said to me, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm, baby, the office owns you. You are an apostle of Jesus Christ. You are not an apostle that's part-time for Jesus Christ. He owns that office, just like he owns those senators, the president, he owns the councilmen, he owns the, the, the um, what do they call the motor vehicle clerk and the post office people, civil servants. He owns those in that office. You cannot have a problem at home that stops you from serving in your office. And I'm like, well, what do I do? I'm, I'm shaking. I can't focus. Go in the room, get it together and come back out here and get your job done. These people are depending on you. They have showed up for you. They have put things around their schedule to get here for you. And you think you get to have a problem at home. You get to have a personal problem that stops you from a professional position. And it, it woke me up. She was like, go and watch the news for two days. I want you to watch this particular thing that's going on. And I want you to come back. And I had to watch something with, the, with Congress. And she said, now look up these three people's lives. And I looked up their lives and she said, do you see what's going on with their children right now? Did you see what was going on with one of their wives right now? One of their wives has cancer. Where are they at? They're in their office. And as soon as they're done with their assignment, they're flying back home to be by the, the side of their wife. Or if it gets to the point where they have to, they'll, they'll maybe take some time off and put someone else in that position. But you don't get a chance to abdicate this calling because you have a personal problem going on in your life. This is not a job. This is a calling. This is different than you applying for something and waiting for them to hire you. This is something that you were born for. You were predestined for, predetermined for. You were allowed to enter the celestials and hit this planet to do this thing for God. And you got what for a problem? Can you all imagine the shape I was in? I was tore up. I never thought of it like that. That was my introduction to the kingdom. That's when I realized that what we were doing as just church in a building was not God's plan at all. That's, that's, that's like a Mason's league. That's like an Elks club. You know, we come, we come, we don't, we don't, you can do it. He can do it. Doesn't matter who does it. A calling is not a job, a job you applied for a calling. You've been called for sick or not emotional or not. Where y'all at? It's 118 on here. I'm not seeing much up there besides Ebony telling me to preach. There goes Tate. The office owns you. You can have your problems. You can cry. You can get upset. Heck, you might even cuss. Hopefully you'll speak in tongues, but you might even cuss. But show up. Get the job done. You can't exhort. What? My, my, my. You know why you think you can't exhort? Because of the brain's role. The brain's role. You haven't trained your brain to accept this calling. Your brain is part of your flesh. Your flesh is part of your nature. Your flesh and your nature is an enmity with anything of God. Righteous living, selling out for the call of your life. Preaching the gospel in and out of season, being like the mailman, whether sleet nor snow, we will be there to deliver the mail. So many church closings. We live in New England. 
It has snowed as snowed as long as I can remember in New England for however long New England's been formed. Churches closing. The Y didn't close. The Y was open at 1030 on Sunday. But all these churches, well, we have to think of the parishioners. The wise thinking about the parishioners too. Don't come out. Don't drive if you can't. The brains roll. We have to train our brain. Type that in the column. Train your brain. Stop letting your emotions run you. Oh, I just have mixed emotions right now. I hear you. You want to talk about it? Yes, I need to. Great. After you preach, come on up in my office and we'll talk about it. After you exhort this morning, you need that exhortation more yourself. Do it for yourself. And then let the people be high and lifted up with your praise that you didn't think you were do, going to be able to do because of what you went through. I just gave you a scenario. Listen to this one. Imagine a scenario where you receive critical feedback at work without self-regulation. You might react impulsively. How many have done that? Becoming defensive or upset. Keep that in your house. Don't bring that to the office. Don't embarrass yourself like that. that that's why you haven't gotten that promotion because they're not promoting defensiveness. That's why you haven't been able to train anyone else that has joined your company because they're not training somebody who's always upset. We can't afford that little leaven on you to spread through our, our, our establishments, our organizations, our businesses, our companies. And bad spreads faster than good. This is why you're not getting it, because you're bringing home emotions into a workplace. Stop it. That's little boy and girl stuff. Little boys and girls have to be taught. Nope, that was for the playground. We're in class now. You have to sit Indian style in here. You cannot play with toys now. Toy time was when you were outside in the sandbox. Now it's time for reading. It's Indian style now. You have to sit here and sit Indian style. We, some of us are adults and we have not learned that. You're bringing your Tonka trucks to service. You can't be in service because you're still mad at the sandbox fight you had at recess. Grow up, grow up. And when I say grow up, I mean, grow up emotionally. Because most people say I'm grown. You ain't telling me what to do. You may be grown by age, but emotionally you're eight. Let's grow up. God is looking for professional carriers of this gospel. He's looking for people who can stand the good fight of faith. He's not looking for anyone who is strong. He's looking for people who can endure to the end. You know what makes you an endurance runner? Getting your emotions intact. Because emotions, if anything, has, has destroyed kingdoms, has brought down kings, has destroyed families. You can control yourself. Get control of yourself now in Jesus' name. Self-regulation will cause you to pause instead of, and it will cause you to acknowledge your emotional response and choose how to respond, th respond thoughtfully and constructively. With training your brain to grasp the power of self-regulation, it's essential for us to explore the neurological underpinnings of our brain. The brain plays a central role in regulating emotions and understanding this can help you gain greater mastery over our emotional landscape.
Let me say that again. The brain plays a central role in regulating emotions and understanding this can help us gain greater mastery over our emotional landscape. In essence, self-regulation involves the prefrontal cortex. It's a region of the brain responsible for decision-making. I want some of y'all to start praying over your prefrontal cortex. Lay your hands on your head and speak to your prefrontal cortex. That is a region of the brain that is responsible for decision-making. You want to speak in tongues and jerk and quake? Pray over your brain. God gave you that to use in the earth. It is responsible for decision-making, impulse control, that nasty mouth, that wayward attitude, the rolling of those eyes, your mean face, impulse control, and emotional regulation. And when you pray over your prefrontal cortex, pray those things I gave you just now. Pray over decision-making, line up according to how God's plan and purpose is for my prefrontal cortex. Help me with impulse control. Help me with my emotional regulation. That's a prayer that needs to be prayed every day. This is the part of the brain which allows us to assess situations, consider consequences, and choose our responses consciously. In contrast, the amygdala, often referred to as the brain's emotional center, can trigger impulsive emotional reactions. So there's two parts that we're going to talk about right now for a minute. We're going to talk about the prefrontal cortex, and we're going to talk about the amygdala. Amygdala. You should have your book, but if you don't, it's A-M-Y-G-D-A-L-A. Pre frontal cortex. It's responsible for your decision-making, impulse control, and emotional regulation. Okay. So let's just imagine for a moment your prefrontal cortex as the rational, thoughtful person in your life, your prefrontal cortex. It's the supervisor at your job. Remember that example I just gave you? Mm -hmm. The prefrontal cortex is the rational, thoughtful EI trained supervisor at your job. The amygdala as the emotional side, the impulsive employee, that's you. Prefrontal cortex, amygdala. Self-regulation strengthens the supervisor's ability. Self-regulation actually increases your prefrontal cortex control. Did you hear what I said? Self-regulation controls, it trains the prefrontal cortex of your brain that for this illustration, we're calling it the supervisor. Without self-regulation, the prefrontal cortex of your brain is without discipline. So when you teach this self-regulation, when you become self-aware, when you take the time to pay attention to your emotional responses and your triggers, you're actually gaining a smarter, more regulated prefrontal cortex where it starts to lead you and guide you into better decision-making. And that amygdala, that part that I'm referring to as you, it's the emotional side, the impulsive side, self-regulation 
which strengthens the supervisor's ability, the prefrontal cortex, <clears throat> to help guide and manage the emotional side of you. So the supervisor can help supervise and help maintain and teach and, and give skills to the amygdala. But if you keep living the way you are being led by emotions, well, my mind told me to cuss you out. My thoughts told me you were lying and my feelings told me to not talk to you when I saw you today. Back up a minute. Who's running the show here? You emotional, uncircumcised Philistine. Get your stuff together. Come on. Self-regulation, self-control. It improves every part of the brain. Two for fact that I'm already teaching you. The problem is your brain. I did a teaching a while ago. Your brain may be lying to you. Because your brain is trained to do a couple things. And the first thing it's trained to do is to survive. And it will do anything, including lie. And it will even hurt you in the long run without meaning to. Because if your brain is convinced of something, it's going to do everything it can to cause you to live and not die. But those emotions, think of those emotions as those uncircumcised Philistines. And you need to win that army because they are embarrassing you. They're, they're, they're stealing time from you. They're, they're, they're stealing your reputation, your character. You all with me? <coughs> Self-regulation then strengthens the supervisor's ability to guide and manage the emotional employee effectively. Ebony, can you put that on the screen if you haven't? Self-regulation strengthens the supervisor's ability to guide and manage the employee, the emotional employee effectively. The Bible talks about self-control. Emotional triggers revisited. We just went through a grand time with emotional triggers and, and not many that I've ever, I didn't hear from anyone that they got bored with it. It was enlightening. It was showing you yourself at a greater capacity. How many checks did y'all get for that? Renee Holly, you sent your work in. I did see it. Very good job. You're on point. We're going to go deeper, but you got it. You mastered it. Earlier in this journey, we explored the concept of emotional triggers. These triggers are situations, words, or events. What are triggers? What are triggers? Come on, let me hear. What are triggers? Mm-hmm. One more. One more, Minister Brittany. What is it? There we go. Situations, words, or events. She's probably in here typing with one hand holding the baby in the other one. These triggers are situation, words, or events that evoke emotional responses inside of us. So no one made you do anything. Remember that conversation? And some of y'all probably needed proof. Well, how can you prove that it was already a grenade in me? Boom. Here we are. We're at that line right now. These triggers are situations, words, or events that evoke emotional responses within us. 
It's already within you. And these people, situations, words, or events trigger an emotional response from you. Now let's revisit these triggers for a moment, just for this example. Through the lens, though, this time of self-regulation, by recognizing the connection between emotional triggers and self-regulation, we can navigate these triggers with greater ease. Consider a personal trigger, such as um, receiving criticism. Remember we talked about criticism? Without self-regulation, criticism might trigger anger. That took me so long to get over that. I think I learned how to not turn red before I learned how to not let it bother me because I hated that everybody could see that this criticism bothered me. We always just want to hear a good report. But as I teach my mentees, constructive criticism critiques are the condiments to your hamburger or your hot dog. And there's not many times you want a hot dog or a hamburger that's just plain because that's what we would be if we didn't get critique or constructive criticism in our life, we'd be a plain hot dog or a plain hamburger at a cookout. Now, if you're hungry, that might be enough, right? But how long is that going to get you by without you wanting some chili on it or some chopped onions on it or some relish and some uh, ketchup and mustard on it? That's critique. Constructive criticism becomes the condiments Otherwise, we're just plain. We're doing nothing. We're doing things as we think it should be. But the cr criticism and the constructive criticism and the critique, it adds to what we're doing. It makes it so that what you have other people will want, especially if you're branding. So consider a personal trigger such as receiving criticism without self-regulation. Criticism might trigger anger, defensiveness, and even sadness. How many people have gone home from work sad because of criticism? But if you knew the skill of self-regulation, you can acknowledge that it was a trigger. That's a trigger. That's why I'm acting like this. Apostle taught us that whenever we felt anxiety or any kind of physical sensation or anger, or we're feeling um, like a flushing wave going over us, or I'm feeling sad that that criticism was a trigger. I don't have to be sad. It's a trigger. I just have to figure out why. Because if you had self-regulation, you wouldn't have any of those responses. You would acknowledge first that it was a trigger. You would then be able to pause to assess your emotional response and choose how to react in a way that aligns with your goods and your values. We know how to do it in front of a judge. We don't go in front of a judge and say, well, the Holy Spirit told me to do this and you can rebuke me later. Good. I'll give you 30 days for that. You have more power, more self-control, more self-regulation than you have even tapped into. One to 10% is all you're using. And he gave us the Holy Spirit. Self-regulation strategies. Now that we understand the significance of self-regulation, let's delve into the practical strategies to cultivate this essential skill. I got a couple minutes left. We talked about mindfulness. Let's go back to it for a minute. Mindfulness, a foundation for self-regulation. At the heart of self-regulation lies mindfulness. Anybody ever heard of the opulus? O-P-U-L-U-S? -P -P it may be O-P-L-U-S. It might be the opulus. 
look it up. I'm going to have an opless bed in my office for clients. And we're going to, if we were on the retreat now, but I'm going to keep speaking those things that are not, um, we're going to even have one when we go on retreat. On, in your mindfulness, it's a practice that fosters self-awareness and emotional control. Mindfulness involves being fully present in the moment without judgment. Through mindfulness, we learn to observe our thoughts, emotions, and bodily sensations without reacting impulsively. Imagine a scenario where you receive unexpected news that triggers anxiety. Without mindfulness, you might spiral into worry and panic. But with mindfulness, that tool, you can step back, observe your anxious thoughts, and choose to respond with composure and clarity. How many need composure? We're just used to just flying off the handle. And then we'll say this. Ooh, preach girl. I got to put this one in the book. And then we'll say this. I just keep it real. No, you're ruled and you're an uncircumcised Philistine. You have no control over your emotions and you're a dangerous person. Deep breathing exercise. Another powerful tool in our self-regulation toolkit is deep breathing. Deep breathing exercises can help regulate the body's stress response, promote relaxation, and enhance emotional control. Consider a stressful situation such as rush hour traffic. One of my dear friends comes to mind. Without self-regulation, stress might manifest as frustration, impatience, or even road rage. Now road anger road rage. Woo. However, with deep breathing exercises, you can activate the body's relaxation response, calm your nervous system and respond to the situation with patience and composure. Did you know that you can thrust your body into a relaxation response? Instead of letting the adrenaline take you to higher heights, you can actually reset your body and have it go right into a relaxation response. One effective deep breathing technique is diaphragmatic breathing. This involves inhaling deeply through the nose, allowing the diaphragm to expand and exhaling slowly through the mouth. As you practice deep breathing, you'll notice how it empowers you to stay centered and in control, even in challenging circumstances. So you know what I'm going to do with you now, right? Let's take a moment. Let's do a deep breathing exercise. And for the rest of the 30 days, while you're waiting for me to come on, I want you all to take as many deep breathing exercises as you can. Try not to go too deep when you first start. Try not to um, be standing or anything like that in case you take too deep of a breath because it can cause dizziness. If you're seated, Go for it. If you're standing, just go light. We're going to breathe in our nose and we're going to breathe out our mouth. Already? One, two, three. In your nose. Out your mouth. And think of the goodness in your life. Think of what you're grateful for in your life. In your nose. Out your mouth. Feel it in your back where you're stressed. Come on, one more time. In your nose only. Out your mouth. 
That's very healthy. That goes in your toolkit. If you start doing that a few times before you get online, while you're waiting for me to come on, or when you sit down to set yourself up for our session, start doing some deep breathing exercises until I get online. Notice how it empowers you to stay centered because you're hearing your breathing. You're focusing on your nose and you're focusing on the exhale of your mouth. So it brings you right in and it takes you right off from whatever was still in your minds. I want to finish this part. How much time do I have? I'm at an hour now. Mm. Let me at least start it and then we'll go over it in greater detail tomorrow. This is one of my favorite, favorite um. Um, terms in psychology. I love this. It comes up a lot in my daughter detox program from those that have been emotionally um, um, unattuned from their mothers. I have a, a coaching program that I take people through for a year to heal the wounds of the mother. And it's for, for men or women, but it heals the wounds from the mother's womb. And this is one very important section in it. And I love it. Cognitive reappraisal. Cognitive reappraisal. And what it is, is changing your perspective. Changing your perspective. That's someone who's in power and in control of their life. Someone who can change their perspective. Cognitive reappraisal is a cognitive behavioral strategy that empowers us to reframe and interpret situations leading to more adaptive emotional responses. Imagine a scenario when you face a setback in a personal project. Without self-regulation, you might react with disappointment or self-criticism. However, with cognitive reappraisal, you can view the setback as an opportunity for learning and growth. Can you hear the preachers? Turn that setback into a setup. Cognitive reappraisal. You view the setback as an opportunity for learning and growth. This shift in perspective transforms your emotional response from negative to constructive. To practice cognitive reappraisal, start by identifying the automatic negative thoughts that arise in challenging situations. Start by identifying all your negative automatic responses. Then challenge these thoughts by considering alternative perspectives or reframing the situation in a more positive light for you. This is where I'm telling you, you can reset your mind. You can reset a situation, even a memory. If you're being haunted by a memory, you can actually use cognitive reappraisal to take that bad, horrific thing that happened to you and finishing the end of the story. I've done it with people and it's a miracle worker. They're just haunted by this thing that just kept happening to them. Well, we kind of, not fully, we go back to where that bad memory is in their mind. And we say, now get up from that situation and move forward. How do you want to do that? And it works. I promise you, because remember everything in the mind is just a memory. Change the ending, add to it. Cognitive reappraisal, changing your perspective, reframing the story. Your brain doesn't know any difference. So everything and anything that's negative is usually automatic. 
And this is why it takes work. This is why people give up. People get frustrated because it's too hard. I can't do it. You can. It's just another muscle you have to learn. And this muscle is invisible, but it's one of the strongest muscles you will ever gain strength to your brain. Challenge each of these automatic negative thoughts by considering alternate alternative perspectives or reframing the situation in a more positive light. Over time, this practice will reshape your emotional reactions and enhance self-regulation. I just saw us at a retreat where we were actually able to break down in small groups and work this out in live form with each other. Powerful. Hallelujah. All right. I got to end there. Tomorrow we'll pick up on some emotional regulation exercises, stress and its connection to emotion, understanding stress so that I can teach you how to kick stress behind and have a stress less 2024, a stress less 2024. And you can do it. You can, I promise you your health, your weight, your glow, your hair, I promise you, you can do it. All right. It's time to go. I hope you enjoyed your time with me. I enjoyed my time with you. I want to say um, congratulations to Carmen and Ralphie Sanchez. Their son, Aaron, has graduated from a program. I'm not going to um, release their business. They didn't give me permission. But we want to all say congratulations to them tonight. I know they're traveling on the road and uh, we pray safety for you on the highways and byways and that I pray that you guys have such a love for each other over these next 24 hours of, especially if you're being alone in the car together. I just prayed for the Holy Spirit to envelop you both with a love that's just so contagious that you can't even speak words to define it. I speak this over your life as an apostle of Jesus Christ. For the rest of us, let's go on and prophesy. Ready, set go. I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. God bless you all. See you tomorrow night. Dr. Suzanne Howard is happy to have shared this time with you. To get more information on solutions and personal development, coaching, and counseling of the soul, go to www.suzannemhoward.com. You can also find her on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Periscope. Thank you for tuning in with us.